I suddenly feel like I should put in a warning for the book I read. Literally, the book starts off where she does a magical spell so badly it a- she accidentally explodes a chicken. <laughs> so if, if that might bother you. <laughs> if only we could take our love of reading to a new level. Well, I've always wanted to start a book club. Book club! For Massacre and other deviants. Hello and welcome to the book club for masochists, where we read and discuss all the genres and types of literature, regardless of our actual interest in them. Every month, we read books from a new, randomly picked genre. Then on the podcast, we discuss our reading choices, experiences, opinions, appeal factors, and other related topics as friends and library workers. It is episode one. Whoops, I only said 59. It is episode 189, and it is February again, which means it is time for our annual romance genre. And this time we are discussing humorous or funny romance. Romantic comedies? Something like that. They don't usually call books romantic comedies, right? Maybe? No. That's like movies. Yeah, rom-coms, right? Yeah, we'll talk about it. My name is Jam. I'm a librarian in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is located on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded land of the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Stolo people. My name is Matthew. I'm a librarian in Fort Collins, Colorado, USA. And my name is Anna, also in Fort Collins, Colorado, USA, which is located on the traditional and ancestral homelands of the Arapaho, Cheyenne, and Ute nations and peoples. My name is Megan. I'm an archivist. I live and work on the unceded traditional territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe, which is also known as the National Capital Region of Canada. Announcement. We have a book list for this episode, as we do for for all of our episodes over the last several years now. We have a book list you will find in the show notes for this episode of books in this genre by authors of color. So that's going to be humorous or comedic romance novels by BIPOC authors, Black, Indigenous, People of Color authors. Check out the show notes. Check out our website, bookclubform.com, to see a full list of uh, a, a good number of titles of humorous romance by authors of color. Announcement two to the listener who requested that we read Romanticy. Uh, which I feel I'm pronouncing incorrectly. Uh, it is now on our genre list. So we may not have read it this month, but it is there now. We could roll that genre. Boo, romance. Yay, <laughs> Yay romance. <laughs> I did. I, I mean, I will get into it when we, we, we haven't, we can't just start off talking about our books, but I had the thought when I finished my book, uh, which spoiler alert, I mostly enjoyed. Um, I did enjoy, uh, but I had the thought upon finishing it was like, well, Matthew would have hated that. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed that quite a bit, but Matthew would have hated this. I tried really hard this month. I will say I did have a couple of false starts this month. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've discussed with other humorous uh, or humor genres or or subgenres that humor is so subjective. And I feel like, especially in the world of romance, I was very hesitant. (laughs) I was, I I had a lot of options, um, but felt like I was not sure if my definition of humor met, you know, whoever, whoever writes romance reviews, whoever writes blurb quotes for romance novels, definition of humor. Yeah. There's definitely an aspect of, 
of this and I saw this written in some reviews, they're like, this was fun, but not funny. And that I think is a major element of this, especially for a lot of like modern romance, contemporary romance. That's not like Harlequin stuff, but the stuff that all has the same cover. The other, not the photo covers, the other type of cover. You know what I'm talking about. If you see these, the lineless, like lineless art of uh, like sort of bright or pastel colors of of people. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, (laughs) we're like they're probably not designed to be comedies in in the way that like you know the Marx Brothers are a comedy but might be in the way that a romantic comedy movie is Mm. the comedic appends the romance so the romance is in the foreground and if there are comedic elements that sort of has more to do with like the tone is how I'm justifying this to myself based on what I read and I did laugh out loud on one book I think I guess, like, maybe that's a question, is, like, how much comedy is in a romantic comedy movie? Well, it depends on the movie. I <laughs> I did – I didn't uh, read anything over the holidays for for this, but when I was on my flight home, when I was traveling in very early January, um, I guess it was very late December, but, you know, it, I was counting it. I had already read what I was writing for December. I was done with our, you know, bus and plane books. Um I watched When Harry Met Sally um, because it was it's a it's a New Year's movie, and um, I also thought it was appropriate since we we're going to be talking about romantic comedy fiction, and it's sort of the archetype for I feel like for for rom com movies, and that movie holds up pretty well um, despite the the uh, I mean I don't no I'm not doing a full review of When Harry Met Sally. It's it, I laughed out loud. It's a funny the the comedy parts of it all all hold up. But I don't know that in the years since then that like many movies that influenced it were influenced by that movie. If I would say the same thing about any number of of rom coms in between. Yeah, it may be like easier to get people to laugh out loud in the movie genre just in just based on the medium um not genre the medium the movie medium it may be slightly easier to get people to laugh out loud in the movie medium but it doesn't necessarily like like you you can still be a not a very good comedy but get some occasional laugh out louds right <laughs> like that can happen um that can happen in the book form too but i feel like it's it's harder to keep their intention attention across the book then because books take so long, right? Like it, if you watch an 80 to 100 minute movie that just is kind of meh with an occasional laugh out loud, you might make it through. But if you're going to do the same thing and it's going to take you five hours to get through the book or six hours to get through the book. Or 12 hours. Or 12 hours. To get through, yeah. You probably won't do that. <laughs> I, I think this is also kind of where we put in uh, an image of the guy reading Sensible Chuckle magazine, the meme. <laughs> Jam knows what I'm talking about, and am I not? No, I do not. No, I have no idea. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I... <laughs> oh, he's got it. No, I can't see that. What are you even... <laughs> Just look up Sensible Chuckle. Yeah, I think also, like, as you said, film medium works better for lots of forms of comedy. And I think specifically for, like, the kinds of comedy that come up in romantic comedies where it's, like, dialogue and people's delivery and um, 
that kind of thing where I, I, I'm just thinking about books that have made me laugh out loud. And it's either like people like, like sort of David Sedaris, people behaving badly or, or uh, strangely, which is not that appealing in a romance novel um, or uh, like very wacky sort of sci-fi or like meta um, sort of the, the, um, Thursday next series kind of Jasper Fjord or, or Douglas Adams or, or like very uh, out there that like, I'd love to read a a romance with that tone, but that's not really Mm -hmm. what the market is looking for. I think. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's like particularly hard to write something that is laugh out loud funny because you are depending on the person being able to read that thing in such a way that it comes across funny. Whereas like in the visual medium, you can supplement that or in the movie medium, you can supplement that with the soundscape and music and like the way you lay out the visuals and then also what they're hearing or reading on the screen. Like there's so many different supplements, whereas you're really depending on the person to have the capacity to read it in such a way that it comes across as funny. What I think is interesting is that when we discuss many of the like popular tropes of romance, those are things that we talk about them in ways like making light of them as though they are jokes. Um, and by which I mean the like mistaken identities, not enough furniture, uh, trapped with your enemy sort of things. I feel like continue. I felt like you weren't done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was him being done. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, in in the book I read, they, uh, yeah, there was not like a lot of like gags, um, but they did, and and not super directly, but they did the opposite of a, there's only one bed, which I'll talk about when we get to books. But I, I, I don't know how intentional that trope inversion was, but I really enjoyed it. That's funny. In the one I read, there's sort of a, a like weird version of the there's only one bed like a strange and unusual version of that too so I'm, I'm now just imagining some sort of chuck tingle story where there's only one bed means that like that is the person you're trying the entity you're trying to sleep with it's like there's only one bed for me and it's that bad wink wink <laughs> <laughs> you know after in the ass by the one bed mm-hmm. mm. I feel like I feel like I've also read romance novels for this show <laughs> um, <laughs> that like subvert tropes and and it's very funny when they do or or you know like do do some something slightly sort of metatextual about the trope. There was um, Courtney Milan um, in one of her books, the only one bed thing. Uh, the like protagonists are go are, are like at an inn and they have a bunch of rooms available and uh, the like. I mean, the bit is that um, she like sl- puts like money on the counter. It's like, no, you only have one. There's only <laughs> one room available. <laughs> nice. Yes. So, kind of rounding back to the like, is the is it situationally funny or is it like um, comedic? Either uh, things occurring or things said um, that are like laugh out loud sort of stuff, and and I feel like. That is sort of a funny line where it can still, where there are times you can still consider something a comedy without having to have it be that sort of like laugh out loud component. There's still some aspects of it where just the the 
situational silliness of the entire story or the lightheartedness of the whole story sort of renders it into that comedic mode. Yeah. I guess I I struggle with, uh, as I mentioned, like that Courtney Milan one that I read for a totally different, um, I don't remember what, what genre it was, um, but a different romance genre, uh, like had funny moments. And like, I've read a bunch of these that have like funny moments or funny lines. And in the same way that like a romantic comedy can be a comedy movie about a romance or it can be a romance movie with like some moments of comedy. Uh, And I think the fact that like any sort of light, light tone romance, any romance that's not like a thriller or uh, you know, intentionally another like more intense romantic subgenre could be considered a, a comedic or humorous novel uh yeah i sort of struggle with like how much how how big is this subgenre of romance because it feels like it's just most of it except then if you're looking for something that's actually like funny funny haha funny then it's very little of it yeah i know what you mean i I feel like that is sort of true, too, and was sort of one of the funny things in terms of trying to find something that counted for this. Um, But it also made me think about, like, why why is so much of the romance sort of comboed with either humor or um, something that's like sort of a thriller or like there's there's some big issue that is a danger, right, to the people? So why is there one side or the other of that. And like, I feel like this has something a little bit to do with um, sort of the way that emotions <laughs> work, right? Like that heightened romance thing, you may not be feeling it with them, but you can feel funniness with them. You can feel like, like tension and anxiety with them. And so you can be pulled into a high emotional state at the same time as the characters without actually literally falling in love as along with them because it's not as easy a thing to do what this reminds me of a little of like you know like what is a comedy and what is not a comedy is sometimes in the movie awards i'm thinking of the the golden globe specifically they have a category that's like best musical or comedy that's had stuff that people are like that's not a musical or a comedy um but like also it's clearly not like a drama or whatever it happens to be that's nominated there and so like it just kind of ends up in that category, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Like this year, I think it was the Golden – it was either the Golden Globes or the Emmys, but the Bear won for Best Comedy Series. And everything I've heard about the Bear is like super depressing. <laughs> like It does not seem like comedy describes uh, the series very aptly. But it is, I guess, maybe back to like ancient definitions of comedy versus drama. If like nobody dies at the end, right? It's a yeah, comedy, perhaps. A, right. Yeah. <laughs> the bar is real low. <laughs> See, I, I really disagree with that, and I'm like, I think lots of people can die, and it can still be a comedy. It's true. I mean, oh sure. Look yeah. at Hitchhiker's Guide <laughs> to the Galaxy. They killed the uh, entire world. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. Yeah. My mind went to like Beetlejuice, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. yep, people die in that. Anna, you have said that you like funny romances more than other stuff. Mm-hmm. But you're also not reading contemporary romances. Yes. I. This was a challenge for me in terms of of 
finding things for this month. I tried to stretch myself and get into contemporary. It was hard. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my history as a romance reader is um, largely in historical romance, particularly in what they tend to refer to as Regency romance, whether or not it's actually in the Regency era. Um, and I do tend to like things that have comedic aspects to them. Um, although I would say, like, it doesn't have to be laugh out loud. It's, it's as much about, like, is the tone a little more on the light side than on the, like, super sinister and or I'm taking myself deeply seriously and these people are, <laughs> like, the truest love that ever existed sort of thing, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. There's, there's different versions of that. But I, I, yes, definitely. Like, the success of the comedic aspects of the book is usually an important part to me about um, why I enjoy a romance. Um, but I also am not an avid romance reader. I'm an occasional. I'm a once in a while. But sometimes you'll get into it and read a bunch of them. Yeah, once once I do read one, I'll usually read several in a row. Does anyone else here have a history of being a romance reader? Please see prior episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's certainly like it's a it's a mood for sure. You can you can rip through a couple fairly easy because they tend to be lighter reads in some ways. Um I definitely remembered reading uh, Tessa Dare's Wallflower Wager in our Regency Romance Month a couple years ago, and that was definitely laugh out loud funny. That's one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) That that was truly like the book that most endeared me to romance, I think. I can see. Yeah. I don't don't have a, a lot of history. Side the podcast uh reading romance i do i feel like have a pretty solid uh watching film romantic comedies background specifically i've watched a ton of christmas ones mostly bad um but uh yeah certainly there are some romantic comedies that are that are funny but i feel like i watch a lot of sort of the equivalent of of um harlequin but movies sorry if you spelt one of those words slightly differently the concept of harlequin butt movies is very very different hmm. wait okay i was thinking of a different one the one that uh was really hilarious from tessa dare that really got me into it was called a week to be wicked that's the one i was thinking of. so many w's i can understand so many <laughs> yeah I was like, wait, that's that's not. I I don't think I have actually. It's the one where the woman has like an animal collection because she keeps rescuing. Yeah, animals. Yes, I have. I keep meaning to read that one, and I haven't. But your recommendation now gets me. I'll put it on the list for the next time. I'm like, okay, your romance feels like the thing to read at the moment. <laughs> Something a little silly. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess then how do we pick? How did we search? Search. Search strategies. I was not feeling contemporary romancy like so I tried to find everything that was labeled humorous, romance, and either sci-fi or fantasy. Mm-hmm. And that was my first call and there was not a there was not a ton of things. Um and then I just went and I like I looked at all the covers. And 
borrowed a ridiculous amount of books and read a couple. But, like, <laughs> what can you do? So I've realized that because I have to read this genre every year, <laughs> some sub-genre part of the romance genre, which is not a genre I usually read, I now just kind of keep my eye out for anything that might be mildly interesting to me and kind of add it to a list in the hopes that it will be applicable to the genre that we get. And so this month I went and I found the books, the three books that had been added to my list in the last year, and I tried reading all of them. So that's how I found mine. But also of note, like having read these for so many years or tried to read these for so many years, I do now know some of what appeals to me more about romance fiction in general versus what does not appeal to me. So still not doing great on reading ones I enjoy, though. <laughs> Are there like particular keywords that let you know that this is a definite no or a, a maybe? Millionaire, uh, police <laughs> officer, um, bad boy. Like, honestly, I just avoid straight romances entirely at this point. I only look at lesbian romances um, because I find basically every male character in straight romances abhorrent to read about. I cannot deal with reading about them or the relationships with people trying to be in relationships with these people. When I was searching, I tried to look for conversations online of, of other people talking about this topic, of other people talking about like, hey, how about a romance? Are there romance novels that you guys found actually funny? Um, and there's... I didn't end up pulling any any um yeah the book that i ended up reading was not one that i found through looking there there was one title that like a few people mentioned in a conversation on reddit um so your mileage may vary but uh it, it felt like the people were were expressing similar sentiments of like i've found like a single line in romance novels funny but like you know it's romance readers but being like is there any like like haha like very funny like full-blown humor uh romance novels uh and a title that came up a few times is uh you deserve each other by sarah hoggle which i put on hold but did not get to me um too popular apparently possibly funny we don't know unless one of you read it but <laughs> nope nope uh, so that that having failed, I uh, tried searching in the catalog for romantic comedies in books with limited results. Uh, and then I instead searched for uh, under like genre uh, romantic fiction and then humorous fiction combined them. And that was the one that was like, oh, this is most of it. This is just everything. Just any sort of light, light toned romance novel is falls under this category on the catalog um that was in the main catalog yeah yeah so on biblio comments i was trying to pull up i think i think my local library's website is down at the moment which is too bad because it's 7 p.m on a saturday night so it's not going to get fixed tonight um or somebody's going to have a bad day fixing it um um but uh yeah i was i was going to look to pull up the exact because i i think just by searching subject headings, um, you can do that. Search for humorous fiction, subject heading humorous fiction plus subject heading romantic fiction. Though in the 
like if you're using a BiblioCommons catalog, it also shows up under the, like the genres section. Anyway, I combined those two and I just, just in my branch, just in the pretty small uh, library branch that I work at, um, there, there were just like dozens of, of, of titles listed under both. So it, it, there were a lot of options. I pulled a bunch uh, and ended up picking the one I did because it's probably mostly superficial things about it that um, appealed to me. Uh, it's about a person who is in like her 30s or early 40s instead of her 20s. <laughs> um, and it's set in New England. Uh, and that's that's how I made the choice. Uh, I have, I will say, I have frequently used Reddit conversations in the past to find other people that are reading certain genres or have recommendations from certain genres or ter- certain things I'm looking for within those genres. So, I mean, yes, it, it's success level varies wildly, but <laughs> yes, I've done that a lot. Um, this time I, just knew that going to stare at a bunch of books in the library was just going to make me nuts. So I decided to just limit myself only to what I could borrow as an ebook on Libby. And I actually had a fair amount of success with using their um, little genre limiters. So I wanted to read it instead of audiobooks. So I limited it to books, and then I limited it to romance, and then I limited it to humorous fiction. Is there one for that? And um, and it actually did limit them down quite a bit, to my surprise. So uh, that actually was a much smaller list. Not to say it wasn't still very large, but it was quite a bit smaller than just the entirety of the romance genre. Um, <laughs> and so then I was scrolling through those, and I was like, I, I'm going to try to stretch and make myself do a contemporary romance. So I kept reading different, like blurbs and being like, this will just make me nuts. 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 <laughs> and I went through that over and over again. I borrowed several. I tried reading a couple of them. I had no success. I was like, I cannot get into these at all. So I went back and I did the same thing, but this time I added historical fiction as one of the limiters. <laughs> it was like, I just give up. Uh, that also actually surprisingly wasn't super um, successful for me. So I went back to the original con- kind of contemporary ones And I spotted one. Oh, oh, actually, here's how I figured it out. I had spotted a book while we were traveling uh, in the airport that was like a um, sort of a um, magic kind of based, right? Like the universe had magic in there, romance. And I was like, that sounds silly. Um, Maybe I could do that. But it was out. It's too new, right? So it's too popular right now, and you can't get a hold of it quickly. But I found out that it's the second in the series. So I went back and was like, well, maybe I can get the first in the series. And that's what I ended up doing. So instead of adding historical setting, it's kind of contemporary, except in a universe in which there is magic. And that was my solution. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, I I did also look on uh, Libby and check out some ebooks and... As you all know, because I, I put in the group chat, I remembered that I did that yesterday when they all were <laughs> returning automatically. Oh, no. Yeah, I have not been reading ebooks as much because I find reading them on the bus, which has become my main reading time, uh, I get more motion sick reading on my phone than reading a, a print book. I have that for sure. I deeply sympathize. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like I spend enough time staring at my phone, so I really can't read a, an ebook anymore. I have good intentions, but it doesn't work out. I don't very often, but um, I will say if I'm pretty darn sure I have absolutely no interest of keeping it in my physical collection, I will consider just doing the ebook version. And generally for the romances, there's just too many of them. I'm not going to keep them. There's so many romance. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know what I just realized in talking about search strategies is that when I did that search for humorous and romantic fiction that brought me like dozens of results just in my branch, none of them were in our dedicated romance section. It was all the like, you know, the 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 contemporary popular crossover romance with the the lineless art on the covers, and uh, very little of it was the the paperbacks that are the ones that we actually label romance. There's a funny like category, uh, not category, um, cataloging history to a lot of those paperbacks. I know I've worked in libraries with that. The romance collection is just not cataloged it's just like in Mm -hmm. big spinners yeah along with some other genre stuff like western or or sci-fi or something like that and it's like you get what's on the spinner you don't need to look this up that did lead to me consider trying to track down every copy of one fantasy novel and bring them all to one branch (laughs) (laughs) because they had I think they had two different copies of it at one branch. And I'm like, maybe I should just get them all and bring them here because that would be funny to me. <laughs> you wanted to prank the branch? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. One library that I worked at, um, they had an interesting in-between where all of those ones did not – they they did get a record. They all got records, but they were short records. So it was literally just title and author. And that was it. And I know because for a while, as the person who received the new books, I was responsible for doing those short records. I did the title author records for all of those. And it was like, super simplest. We did we did not download anything. We didn't do anything fancy. We just got a giant box full of paperbacks. And then I just hefted them up. <laughs> into a big a cart and went one at a time through each of them throwing the title and author in a record and that was it done okay we really have to start talking about okay okay yes okay okay because we have a big box of books here to discuss no you're, you're looking at me i think we have enough different titles that we want to talk about that it is the equivalent of a virtual box of books to discuss Anna. <laughs> i was gonna say i cannot imagine our household having a giant box of romance books in it that we're like <laughs> all excited to talk about oh <laughs> excited to talk about is very different from have mm-hmm. to talk yeah. about okay okay who's going first the first one i want to talk about is one of the Fantasy ones, because I had a delightful, sort of cozy fantasy experience at the beginning of the month. Um, this one is called The House Witch by Delam Hatch. It's the beginning of a series, I guess. And it is focuses on a house witch who joins the court or the staff of a local king of the realm type situation where he's uh, a cook. But he's trying to hide the fact that he has magic. Um, so there are humorous interludes surrounding his attempts to hide these things from his fellow staff members. And it becomes sort of an open secret in a lot of different ways. Um, and then there's a lot of like courtly 
intrigue that happens. And of course, there is a romance and lots of like, um, my brain says personal development, but that's not what like personal growth in the individuals. And so they can consummate the the romance in a healthier manner than maybe they were as individuals before. So um, one of those like high fantasy, but no one's getting murdered in their bed kind of situation. Like uh, you don't have to fear for the dog as it were in this particular book. Not that there's a dog, but just that kind of like safety in it. So this is, um, if only there weren't dogs in the books I tried to read. (laughs) (laughs) I am concerned and confused. So (laughs) this is a 2022 publication, um, by podium publishing, which is not a publishing house I'm familiar with. So I read A Witch's Guide to Fake Dating a Demon by Sarah Hawley, uh, which is the first book in the series. And I, I saw the second book before this one, but I actually like the description on this one quite well. So um, what happens in this one is there is a witch living in sort of contemporary-ish um, uh, modern-day Washington State somewhere. Um it's not super specific exactly where, but it sounds a lot like Port Townsend, except uh, not Port Townsend because it's called Glimmer Falls because it is very magic-infused. So there's just magical creatures and things happening everywhere, all over the place. Uh, but this witch, uh, when she was born, there was a big old prophecy about how she was going to be the most powerful fam- uh, witch of her generation. Uh, and she has utterly failed to live up to this. She's a disaster as a spellcaster, but she's extremely good uh, with nature magic. But nature magic is of no value uh, to her, particularly her mother. Um, so she's pushed really hard by her mom. She's now 28, so she's no longer – this is not like a – Super young, but still hasn't cracked the 30s uh, romance. Um, and she's being pushed by her mother to practice her spell casting and get to a certain level before her mother will agree to pay for her graduate program that she wants to do in like magical herbology or something like that. Um, so she's practicing spell casting. She's having a heck of a day. It's all going wrong. And in all of her flutters and frustrations, she accidentally summons a demon. And when you summon a demon, they aren't able to leave in this universe. They aren't able to leave until they make an agreement with you. Uh, 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 uh not an agreement. What's it called? A uh, bargain, <laughs> I guess. Though, until they make a bargain with you for your soul. So they are stuck together and he can't be a certain, he can, has a limited degree of how far apart he can be from her because of the soul bargain situation. So until a bargain is struck around her soul, he can't leave her. And that's the basis of the whole like situation from there. So a version of that, like kind of a one bed thing because he can't be very far away and she's in a one bedroom household. (laughs) They're trapped. Well, that's called forced proximity. That's I forced proximity. Is, is yes, that is. Yeah. Does the demon wear pants? Yes. <laughs> the demon looks largely like a human, except has horns. Hi. Now, why wouldn't he wear pants? I don't know. I really don't. I wasn't going to ask, honestly. 
Just the look at his face, I was like, I'll just, I'll leave that and just answer it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's it's a relatively funny situation. Uh, I wouldn't say it's, I, I did laugh out loud at least once, maybe twice during this book, but for the most part, it's just situationally sort of funny. But actually, it's also a little, I will say for this one, there's a lot of hard sort of family issues. There's a lot of family dynamics that are really difficult. So if you are really sensitive around reading a book that has um, some really tough family dynamics where families are not supportive and caring um, of each other, this might be one to skip just because it's it's rough in that arena. Um, but in between that, a lot of the stuff just situationally is silly, right? Like having the whole magical situation there opens up a lot of space for just situational silliness to be occurring. Um, so there's a lot of that in here. Um, there's a whole mystery going on. There's like a bunch of horrible capitalist stuff that they're fighting against. Um, so as much as this character might be 28, she's actually not especially emotionally mature. Um, essentially, she's come from a highly privileged background, and she hasn't really had to grow up for various reasons. So she's kind of maybe not altogether on a, in a number of layers that she's sort of unpacking during this. The other side of it, though, is that he's also not very emotionally mature because uh, for plot reasons – Demons usually don't really experience much in the way of emotions, and he suddenly is for the first time. So he's basically experiencing emotions for the first time and being 200 years old. So he's figuring out what these are and how they function. So he's pretty dumb about it, um, which I feel like is a really nice way of getting around. Like masculinity's inability to handle emotions like and and respond to them and communicate th about them very well you know uh so anyways uh if that might bother you about how like both of these characters are kind of younger than their ages it, like in some ways they're a little more ya than that might be a reason to avoid it as well yeah it i mostly i really actually did enjoy reading this it was a fair amount of fun to read um, there's a few little things that I had small gripes with, but, you know, there always will be. So that's fun. Jam, was yours magical or fantastical? No. <laughs> I'll go into mine, which theoretically had a fantastical element, though I never got to that point. So um, I read or tried to read – one Last Stop by Casey McQuiston, who's the author of Red, White, and Royal Blue. This is very popular. You've probably, if you like romance, you've probably heard of it. It was on like Goodreads Best Romance Novels of the Year a couple of years ago. Um, a lot of people have read it and enjoyed it. Two issues. One from before I even opened it. Two from the very first page. Issue one. It is over 400 pages long. <laughs> Too long. Honestly, for, for so many books, just too long. But for a romance novel, never, clearly I was never going to finish it. So the first line on Goodreads says, a new romantic comedy. Uh, so I'm like, great comedy. Hooray. But clearly what I should have spent more time looking at was the quote on the back cover that ends with, one last stop is meant to be savored slowly. Not for me. I think <laughs> if a romance novel is more than 250 pages, I just need to not bother with it in the future. Problem two. It is set in New York City. Before we've even really gotten to the text of the first chapter, seeking young single roommate for three-bedroom apartment upstairs, 
$700 a month. Nobody in New York City is spending $700 a month on an apartment. You could be living in a, clo- a windowless closet and paying like 700 more than $700 a month in New York City. And so I was really frustrated. I'm like, this person has no understanding of like what a city even is. So anyway, I picked this one up. I'll complain more. People love it when I complain. Um, I picked this one up because <laughs> it says, uh, Jane doesn't just look like an old school punk rocker. She's literally displaced in time from the 1970s. So that was the hook. It's about someone, from, a time displaced person from the 1970s who's a punk rocker. It's a lesbian romance. I'm like, okay, this is interesting enough. I gave up two hours into the audiobook, which is 70 pages into the book I just checked. And I'm like, this has not been mentioned. The time displaced thing has not been mentioned this far into the book. And I was so, I'm like, this book, you can't put that on the back cover. And then not get to that in the first 70 pages of your book. I'm like, this is what, like, apparently the very next chapter is where it got to. But like, I was listening to the audiobook, like, while lying in bed with COVID with nothing else to do. And I literally would rather do nothing than listen to more of this audiobook. It frustrated me so much. So I gave up. Couldn't deal with it. Uh, I found the main character incredibly boring. Um... I found a review on Goodreads that said the book sounded like it was written by a white person that didn't have any people of color friends, uh, which is also pretty damning, I feel. Uh, but a lot of people do like it. So clearly, uh, I'm in the minority in this one. That was attempt one. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Yeah, I I almost I, one of the books I picked up for my branch was a, a Casey McQuiston book, not this one, but a different one. Um, and I feel like I have heard. All, all of her books I've heard like extremely mixed reviews of both like very glowing and very like, why does everyone like this? Mine too, actually, the same situation. Yeah. I guess that does come into a thing, which like when you're doing a romance novel, if the intention is for the reader to be able to project themselves onto the main character, like, do you write the main character to be more boring or like less of having less of something else than other characters within the story. And I don't know. I'm just making things up. <laughs> it's podcasting. Um, <laughs> I will talk about what I read. I So I only ended up, I, I checked out many books. I only ended up reading one. I read it all the way through. I finished a book. Yay. I'm proud. <laughs> uh and I, I didn't even have to like do a real cram session. I, I finished it throughout the month. Um, and the one book that I read is Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. Uh, Evie, E-V-V-I-E. They, she does, the author does the helpful thing of having the main character complain about how people mispronounce her name so that you know how it's pronounced. It's Evie like Chevy. Um, this is written by Linda Holmes is a uh, NPR national public radio host, uh, host of the podcast pop culture happy hour. Um, And I did not uh, know that when I first started reading this, but um, uh, I mean, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. I I feel like this book is funny in the way that NPR is funny. (laughs) And if you do not find NPR funny, you probably will not find this book funny and that's fine. But if that's uh, yeah, perhaps a helpful thing to to ask someone. Um, maybe less helpful in Canada. I don't know if folks have a good basis of of uh, 
NPR NPR knowledge here, but uh, if you're talking to a library patron about this book, you can say, do you do you think like wait wait don't tell me is funny <laughs> because that's this this kind of funny. Um, yeah, it is the story of Evie Evie Drake who. Um, uh, the premise does not sound funny. Um, she is a widow who on the day her husband died, uh, when the book starts about a year. Um, yeah, I think it's actually the one year anniversary. Um, as the story starts, uh, she w- had, had packed her bags to leave him. Um, because it was not, it was not a good relationship. Uh, and so she is now like, she lives in this very small, quaint, uh, town in Maine and, uh, everybody, everybody knows everybody. And I feel like a lot of the best bits of the humor come from like small town gossipy kinds of, uh, conversations and situations. Um, but for her also means that everybody knew her and her husband. And when he dies, um, she feels like she has to put on this performance that actually their marriage was very happy and, and um, yes, feels, feels very isolated in um, this very peculiar kind of, of grief she's experiencing. Doesn't sound super funny, um, but uh, uh, as I said, I enjoyed it. Um, the romantic interest is uh, Dean, who is a former um, professional uh baseball player um for the yankees um and is is not pitching at the moment because he has the yips as they are called uh he just has lost the ability to pitch and has spent a lot of money trying to get back into baseball and um has has really just uh is at the end of his rope and and has a mutual friend um with uh evie who now has an empty you know, ha- is living in a very large house by herself and has like a part of it quartered off into a separate apartment um, that he uh, ends up renting because they have this mutual friend. Um, so it was also kind of a sports romance, which I was not ex- also not expecting when I started reading it. Um, but I enjoyed it. And I think probably enjoyed it more because it was only kind of a sports romance uh, that that's, you know, that was a, a grounding thing thing about his character that he had this thing that he really cared about but also could not do anymore yeah and so it is uh, i mean the 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 sort of blurb of the book is that they make an agreement that they're not going to talk about um her husband or and and they're not going to talk about his um you know pitching career but if you're like hope if that's the, like gimmick that you're interested in that lasts barely basically no time like they make that agreement and almost immediately start talking about both things um yeah i f- i found the whole thing charming it's all very new england <laughs> which which uh i if if listeners don't know uh is where i grew up um and so like they do a road trip to boston at one point and and all of the jokes about boston were very very funny to me in particular but uh, and the I'll, I'll mention the one bed inversion that they did is that uh, because you know it's a small town and people gossip and also he is a celebrity and at this point in the story people like know he's living here and 
Um, they're worried uh, about people seeing them if they go on a date. Uh, he like drives her out of town to go on a date and also books them a, a hotel room, but then reveals during the date that he's booked two hotel rooms um, because he like doesn't want to pressure her if she's like not ready. Um, and so, so they, they literally have two beds, um, which I think is very funny. Um, and I also thought it was great that she, like, she is looking at like these two hotel keys that he's, he's revealed. Uh, and she's like, you booked two rooms. And he's like, I'm sorry. I, I thought it would be good. I try not to put pressure on you. I fucked it up and, and all this stuff. And she's like, no, that is crazy hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was charming. I liked it. Every Drake starts over by Linda Holmes. If you think NPR is funny. Uh, yeah. And uh, almost obviously, um, like Anna mentioned with her book about there being some like thorny family issues. Like, yes, if, if um, like emotional abuse and, and like difficult family dynamics uh, are something you want to avoid in, in your light romance reading. Uh, it definitely has some of those. They have a, a sort of, title stylistic similarity to jam's pick which is i read something called delilah green doesn't care <laughs> and that was like is this the same author and no this is not the same author it is ashley herring blake it this was nominated for best romance in the goodreads choice and won a audi award for romance I don't think I had necessarily heard of it before but the cover looked pretty good so I picked it up um it's a lesbian romance. It's about a woman named Delilah, obviously, um, who is a photographer in New York and is estranged from her remaining family in uh, Bright Falls, Oregon, uh, because basically there was a lot of not great growing up experience in that uh, her mother died when she was young and then her father remarried. And then two years after that, her father died. And so she was raised by her stepmother, who, while not, like, actively abusive, was just sort of benignly neglectful and uninterested because she was more interested in her other daughter, um, who is the one who is now getting married. And they have roped Delilah into taking the wedding photos. Um, and Delilah runs into a old high school nemesis at the bar when she rolls in who doesn't recognize her as Delilah uh -huh, and gets hit on pretty hard. And then she decides that she is, you know, totally going to sleep with this lady by the end of this wedding kind of situation. But of course it never, it starts like this, but it never ends like this. So um, I found this like kind of heavy in a lot of different ways where people were working through all of their like emotional states around past trauma and, and broken relationships where you had stopped listening to what might've been actually going on because the memories of all the, the past situations had, had blocked everything up, but was also in some ways fairly light and had humorous moments where Delilah was just trying to get like the, get under the skin of her stepmother and stepsister, whichever way possible. So I can see there was, might've been humor, but it wasn't one of the books where I laughed out loud as it were. So next, the next attempt was take me home by Laura Lee Brown. 
which is a novella, but I still did not manage to finish it, about a woman who has to go have Thanksgiving with her family, which includes uh, very conservative people. And so she brings home a pink-haired tattoo artist who pretending to be her girlfriend to annoy her Christian fundamentalist aunt. Great. A plus, sure. Uh, and then a dog gets injured and there's all this subplot about a dog. And I'm like, I just don't care. I just don't care. Context for viewers, Matthew is not a dog person. He's very, not a dog. very rapidly a cat person. <laughs> like, as, as we discussed, I think, in the horror episode, we're like, I'm like, if I had have a filter that turned all dogs and media to spiders – I'd be way more interested in them and more willing to do it. I'm like, oh, no, the spider has gotten hurt. Yes, obviously, you need to go to the vet. The dog has gotten hurt. I don't care. And like, and this is because it is a fictional dog. In real life, if a dog got hurt, it is very sad. However, I do not want to read about these occurrences. Uh, yeah. the I mentioned that when I finished the book that I, I read, the, the Linda Holmes book, that I immediately thought, well, Matthew would have hated this um, if, if, for two reasons. One, because I was like – Oh, not a lot like plot wise really happened in that book, but I, I kind of like a story like that where I was like, eh, I don't think Matthew would like that. And, um, the other one is cause she adopts a dog. Spoiler alert. She adopts a dog, uh, fairly late in the story. I really like the dog becomes like the plot of this as they like adopt the dog together. Um, so yeah, I was just like, okay, no, not, not for me. Uh, clearly I should have finished reading the plot description. The, uh, the house witch gets a cat familiar. But it the book is like over four hundred pages, so I don't know if Matthew would go for that. No, <laughs> I suddenly feel like I should put in a warning for the book I read. Literally, the book starts off where she does a a magical spell so badly it she accidentally explodes a chicken. <laughs> so if, if that might bother you, <laughs> chickens are delightful dinosaurs. But I feel like people get less emotionally attached to random story chickens so the final one i attempted to read which also which i got the furthest into but also i have now discovered but i did not realize this before because it was an ebook is 384 pages long these are too long i'm sorry <laughs> all of these books are too long it's for people who enjoy them matthew <laughs> matthew it's not for you even books i enjoy 400 pages is too long no <laughs> This one uh, was I Kissed a Girl by Janet Alexander, uh, which was originally called – supposed to be called Scream Queens, uh, which is a much better name for it in my opinion uh, than the very generic title and cover it has, which is about a, uh, a horror actress and a makeup artist um, who meet on set. And the actress is a former um, – like beauty queen who's in horror movies though doesn't really want to be in horror movies, uh, whereas the makeup artist – loves horror stuff and they are both uh jewish women the actress is bisexual but is not out bisexual and is very nervous about getting into it and they get into a relationship between it what is interesting about this one is that it alternates between their points of view so there is not a main character in the same way because it switches back and forth between the two of them and it gives both of their thoughts about like, oh, what is going on with the relationship and blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, eventually there's like a soccer plot of the um, the actresses getting stalked by a character. Oh, I thought you said soccer. Stalked. I did too. I totally <laughs> thought you said soccer. Stalker. I'm like, 
<laughs> they start playing soccer. They start watching soccer. How is the soccer plot fit in? Sorry, stalker. Yes. It's it's a stalker. Um, and stuff goes wrong with the movie and a bunch of snakes are there as well. So the snake warning, I guess. Uh, but again, also like uh, there's, there's a dog showed up and I'm like, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> um, I'm like, I would rather play video games than read more of this book um, where people are talking about how cute this dog is. He's playing another one of the Yakuza games right now. So, I mean. Look, I have to help people. Didn't you like help people like one person you were helping them figure out if their food was any good for the izakaya they wanted to open and another person you were trying to like redecorate their their like fast food restaurant or something well i had to create a partnership between two different fast food restaurants oh okay and then also i had to help a woman um find out if her husband was cheating on her or not um, which involved trailing him and hiding behind cars and then taking a photo as he walked into the love hotel uh with somebody else um, and then also there's the one where I have to test uh, coffee and guess and, and see if I can guess what type of coffee it is based on the description of it. Um, and there's like a mystery plot or something as well. But hey, anyways, I have one last book. Um, it is called The Bromance Book Club by Lisa K. Adams. Um, and this one I did laugh at lot at and I thought was interesting as well because it subverts one of the the common plot cycles of romances which you know person meets person they fall in love or hate each other immediately or whatever this is rather it's a major league baseball player who's married and he has screwed up his marriage there has been a terrible uh there was a revelation that he took really badly and um, his wife is fed up with him and has kicked him out of the house. Um, and he's having an intervention with his baseball buddy bros, where they find him at the hotel he's holed up at, drunk and incapable, and are like, listen, guy. We have a method. You have to, you have to like commit to the method. We will help you save your marriage if that's what you want. And he's like, yes, absolutely. I want to save my marriage. And they're like, all right, here's this romance book. <laughs> you have to read it. And he's like, what are you even talking about? And they're like, nope. You think these are just nonsense, but they contain helpful tricks and, and insight into what your wife is thinking about on different things. We are going to help you become a little bit more emotionally mature and thoughtful. And so he's, I'm fairly certain I have read the romance that gets, like, maybe I've just read enough romance that it's, like, similar because they quote bits of it throughout. I feel like maybe it's Bridgerton, but they call it something else. But I don't know. Regardless. So every once in a while, the the, the romance book club gets together and, and tells him he's being an idiot about various things and how he should be better at romancing his wife and having emotional maturity and, and, and figuring out his his crap and her crap and you know getting back together so that was an interesting uh different version of the romance in which it's not you're meeting someone new and getting together but uh working through the difficult parts of maybe like the middle of a relationship where you've had a fight that seems like it's it's ending everything but um doesn't necessarily mean that like he ends up with a closet full of romance books i <laughs> They sit around and talk about like the uh, patriarchal aspects of Little Mermaid. The um, 
the the Christmas installment in this series is one of the the books that I checked out but did not uh, end up reading. They have a Christmas installment, of course. <laughs> that makes sense. There's a Christmas installment, yes. Fairy Merry Bromance. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at the other installments in the the Bromance Book Club <laughs> series, uh, and there is one about a hacker and a cat cafe. What? So this could go on your list, Matthew. The cat cafe is called Toe Beans. This cat cafe is called Toe Beans, which is a great name for a cat cafe. It, the title is, I don't love the title. The title is Crazy Stupid Bromance, but it's about a cat cafe and a former teen hacker. It does have a cat on the cover. Yeah. There's a cat on the cover. Yep. A hacktivist and cat cafe owner decode the friend zone in this romantic comedy from the author of Undercover Bromance. <laughs> How many pages, Matthew? <laughs> 345. <laughs> Slice them 400. Yeah. All right. Appeal factors. It's romance. It's funny. Like, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where you're like, I want to read something just light and fun. And then you look at romances and you're like, some of the, these seem kind of angsty. I want something light and fun. And so you go for humorous romance. Yeah. It's a stress reliever. Mm-hmm. It's entertainment. I feel like we've read this in the wrong um, order compared to the next genre we're, re- we're reading then. Is is it dark fantasy next? Yep. Yeah. A palate cleanser. <laughs> dark fantasy cleansing away all of the funny romance novels you read. See, I thought like with some of these things, you're like, oh, it's a light, fun read. If it's more than 400 pages, it's not. <laughs> Matthew. The length of the book doesn't matter, Matthew. They go so fast when you're enjoying them. You're just not enjoying them. They go so slowly when you don't enjoy them. (laughs) I mean, Matthew, I'm I'm similar to you in in that, like, I love a short book. Uh, The one that I read was 290 pages, which is, like, I mean... That's that is that feels like my max, but also like I enjoyed it all the way through. So if it was like another fifty pages, I probably would have gotten through it. Um, but you know, I, I both take your point, you and and also uh, the the if length does not di- dictate tone. I mean, it, there is a fair criticism to be had that like it, it is plausible. Although I I won't say one hundred percent this is a true statement. It's just a plausible issue that um, this genre may not get editing in the same structure or time frame where they make sure that they are honed down to the tightest framing of the story possible. So there may be a kind of like tendency towards having it be a little bit um, more fleshed out than necessary, but I don't even know if that's true. And <laughs> and either way, like, other genres have the same issue. Like, there's lots of suspense novels that get... Fantasy. Fantasy has the same issue. Yeah. Fantasy has the same issue. Where it's like, it, I didn't need this to be 500 pages long. Did this need to be that long to flesh this out? And to Like, is it honed to the proper length for this story? That's a constant issue for all genres and areas. So it really comes down to, do you love this genre enough to be able to push through those stories that aren't honed down enough to find the core of them that you love anyways? And I feel like... 
at least one of the appeals is if you enjoy the characters and you like spending time with them, like, it's not a problem to spend another hundred pages watching people express their emotions badly and do cute things because they're, they're so <laughs> enamored with the person. I feel like you're not speaking Matthew's language right now. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I know I'm not speaking Matthew's language, but I think he's a lost cause. So I'm just putting it out there for <laughs> yep. people. Or <laughs> That's fair. What are the appeal factors for people who actually want to read this genre? I, d- I do think back to a comment that I made earlier about like that combo of um, either like suspense slash thrillery sort of things and romance or humor and romance as ways of kind of heightening your emotion and therefore kind of your engagement with the books. And then it just comes down to like, which would you rather have heightened at this point? Or as a reader, which one are you more interested in in having heightened? Um, And I just, I kind of think of that from how many of the romance books do include humor to some degree or another, or include a bunch of suspense where they're running around trying to like stay alive and, or keep whatever horrible thing from occurring to somebody in it. Uh, I think in, I mean, in the book I read this month and other romance books I've read that have elements of humor, it can help um, sell you on the romantic relationship. Like, uh, as you were saying, like with with thrillers, if like it gets your heartbeat increasing, it's easier to like insert yourself into that um, frame of mind. Um, if like you're reading conversation between people that feels very like easy and and fun and and enjoyable, um, then you can uh, more easily imagine like falling for for that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something really appealing about being around people that make you laugh. And if the characters are making each other laugh, even if it's not laugh out funny for you, I think that comes across as nice. Mm -hmm. You know, what actually struck me as sort of interesting in these is how many of them had like thorny family issues that were being worked through as part of the growth process for these characters. Um, I feel like that may be one of the things that when I was thinking back on it, um, is something that is an appeal to me about a lot of the historical ones because shockingly, despite the fact, and in if you were actually in Regency area era, you would not be alone together all the time. They are alone together all the time. It's like their families practically don't exist <laughs> frequently. So like, <laughs> it's often more about the two of their personal issues, or like if it's family issues, it's about how they're rescuing or dealing with like you know, the fallout from a family issues, but it's not actually like the same sort of um, emotional family issues of like um, emotional abuse or negligence or other, you know, things that you are trying to work through with your families. And dogs. Apparently people (laughs) like having puppies. (laughs) I was so excited in the book because the character was like, oh my gosh, I hope that's not a bag full of snakes. I'm like, oh, I hope it's a bag full of snakes. And then it had a dog in it. I'm like, ah, dang it. Why isn't this a bag full of snakes? I did get distracted because I was thinking about like, we need, or I mean, Matthew specifically needs uh, a website like does the dog die, except it's just, is there a dog in it? Yes. Does the dog exist? Is, is a dog extant in this story? 
I got nothing more to say. I mean, <laughs> I t- like this episode makes me like wonder, Anna, like what our listeners think of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't care about dogs that much either, although I am not upset by them, but I don't need a dog in my life. So uh, it's fine. We're doing good. <laughs> not a deal breaker. <laughs> not a deal breaker. <laughs> I'm a cat person. <laughs> but But not in the fantasy oriented way. Of where you have a tail and ears, not that sort of cat no, that, person. No, not a cat person, cat person. I'm not like a CGI cat from Cats. <laughs> that is not the uh, romantic subgenre we read this month. Yeah, that is not. <laughs> That's the shifters. That's a whole other thing. Whole different thing. We'll get to it. <laughs> we have to end this, please? I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad we at least made each other laugh a little in the comedy <laughs> episode. That's a fine way to end. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Book Club for Masochists. Find us on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider giving us a positive rating and or review. And if you've already done that, thank you very much. For all our URLs and social media accounts, the for and our name is a numeral. You can go to our website at bookclub4m.com, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash bookclub4m, and find us on Instagram at bookclub4m. Our email address is bookclub4m at gmail.com. By the way, if you're requesting to join the Facebook group, mention the uh, actual podcast, uh, just because we have to say no to a lot and we don't actually want to say no to somebody who's a podcast listener. On our website, you can find show notes that will provide links to the things we mentioned, social media information for everyone who appeared on this episode, and our genre-based book lists of titles by authors of color. You can suggest a genre or a title for us to read or request a recommendation from us. We have a form you can fill out. No promises on reading your suggestion, but we will give you a recommendation if you ask for one. All opinions are our own and do not reflect our places of employment if they exist. Book Club for Masochists is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international license. Our theme music is To Arrakis by Dark Sun from the Free Music Archive. New episodes are the first and occasionally the third Tuesday of every month. Join us again on Tuesday, February 20th, when we'll be talking about our reading resolutions for 2024. And by we, I mean Jam, Megan, and myself, and not Anna. Anna I'll be be there. there. (laughs) Then on Tuesday, March 5th, we'll discuss the genre of dark fantasy. Alrighty, Aphrodite, here we go. Are you in an old Wonder Woman cartoon? Yes, indeed I am. (laughs) Suffering Sappho.